0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Dr. Andy Rourke, and this is the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, talking about a case that I had uh, recently and getting input from the amazing... Dr. Carrie Journey. She is fantastic. She's been with us a number of times before. She is amazing and a rock star, and boy, I really love her insight. As soon as I started talking to her on this podcast, her audio cut out for just a second. When you hear that, I don't want you to think the rest of the interview is like that as a one-time little thing, but as soon as I heard it, I was like, no, that sounds like it's going to be a bad audio, but that's not true. So anyway, I just wanted you guys to know that up front. I hope you love this episode. I hope you get a ton out of it. Let's get into talking with the amazing Dr. Carrie Journey about a chihuahua that hadn't walked in a couple of days. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, 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 everybody, and welcome, welcome, Dr. Carrie Journey. Thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me to be here.
0: Oh, man. I always love having you on here. I've got something for you that uh, that popped up and bit me on the rear uh, last week, and I want to run it by you okay. and see if I should have done it differently or if I should do it better in the future. I've got a 13-year-old female spayed overweight chihuahua. that comes in and it has been not walking in for the last two to it's been two to three days yeah two to three days and so i get this dog and it is completely um just just flaccid in the back end you know i mean just i mean just nothing there it it does it's got um it's got anal tone which and the owners say that it is voiding uh normally she's actually holding it and then going to that, I mean, that's what they say.
1: Yeah, I, I I stare in disbelief at that. But all right, well we'll believe him at this point.
0: So yeah, totally. I, I, I'm just yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, this is exactly the story that 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 I was getting. Yeah. Um, they say they say that the dog uh, is holding its bladder and voiding. Okay. Um, this dog does not have. I mean, no type of proprioception. It doesn't have even have deep pain. I I cannot okay. get deep pain on this dog. Okay. All right. Our office was split. On what to do with this dog, okay. and I would like you, as uh, an expert that I listen to, to weigh in. Sure. How do you treat that, carry Journey?
1: So that exact case. So the first thing I would say out loud is that's a thirteen-year-old dog. So I think anytime we see a down dog, all of our brains very rightly just say that's a slip disc. Absolutely right. And so. I think when a dog starts to be geriatric, and really geriatric in this case, we we have to remember there are other differentials. So the first thing I would say to those owners are, you know, your dog is older, um, and so we have to consider this might be something else. So this absolutely could be a disc, or it could be something like cancer. And, you know, of course, there's a million other differentials, but if we're we're talking about acutely down 13-year-old chihuahua, disc cancer, and then maybe inflammatory disease are like my top three. Um, And then I have the conversation about and I say, we're going to assume for a minute it's a slip disc. We won't actually know until we do some tests. We're going to assume for a minute it's a slip disc. We're going to talk about exactly um, what that means, given how severe your dog's injury is. Um, and the severity is important in this case, right? So it, it's a big deciding factor. Um, the, the presence or absence of deep pain is the single most prognostic thing we find on a neurologic exam. And so it's super important that we do it right and well, too. And I think it's something that people get confused about all the time and understandable. Okay understandable um so you know first thing i do is tail walk a dog to see if they have any motor at all i try not to use a sling because it prevents the forward movement if okay. they have any motor at all don't test deep pain if they've got any motor at all because they will they will have deep pain and then you're just being mean then you're just pinching dogs for no reason so right. don't do that. Yeah. yeah
0: um
1: if they don't have motor or if you aren't sure which that happens sometimes um then we gotta pinch and so it's really important when we pinch that we make sure that the dog feels it in their brain, not just gets a reflex, you know, with that withdrawal that you see, even a little tail twitch or something, that can all be spinal cord reflexes, and it doesn't, it's not, that's not what we're after. I am honestly, Andy, looking for that dog to turn around and try to murder me. Like, that is what I'm trying to get. Okay,
0: so So that's what you mean when you say uh, a pinch they feel in their brain. I've just probably, I've been pinching dogs like a Philistine for (sighs) years, I'm afraid. So you're saying... What do you, so what, I mean, in all honesty, so I, I go in the web of the toes. Yeah. And, uh, and, and really pinch hard, not with a nail or anything that's going to cut, but, uh, yeah. but I pinch the fire out of them.
1: Yeah. The, I, I say very often when I'm doing rounds, is neurology is not always a nice specialty. And like, this is one of those times you got to be cruel to be kind
0: because yep. we need
1: to know and we need to be sure. So we're not looking for a withdrawal. We're not looking for a twitch. We're looking for that dog to turn around and be like, hey, don't do that. And so okay. I start on my like fingernails and I go right across and I start in the webbing. If they don't go there, I go across the base of their nail. Cause if you pinch yourself on the base of your nail, that hurts.
0: Oh yeah. This is like a inquisitor technique. Exactly. Feel, exactly. Like go the to, to the Spanish
1: inquisition and find techniques, you know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And so, oh. um, and then if they don't respond to that, you go get a hemostat and like I, Andy, I will almost block the box of those hemostats across that toe. I gotta know. I gotta yeah, know. I Okay. And so, and if they don't respond, cause some dogs and cats especially are just stoic, right? They're not going to tell you they're scared and their response is all, you know, to just lock down. So if you're not sure, pinch a foot that, you know, works. So if they're walking around on those front feet, go pinch one of their front feet and see what they do there. And then that difference of that reaction will tell you, are you, are you losing or I've lost deep pain? Okay. that's super yeah. important.
0: Yeah. Cause okay.
1: dogs, dogs that have deep pain, Have a 90% recovery with surgery, 90 plus. Dogs that don't have deep pain, the number is somewhere between 50 and 70%, depending on who you read. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a big drop in prognosis. And most of us who cut these dogs say 50 50, just because I think that's an accessible number. We need to understand in our brain, this may not go well. You know, that's the conversation we're having with the owners. And so I talk to these owners about this is a 50 50 shot, it's a very expensive, big deal procedure. And it's not an immediate fix. You know, we're not going to cut a deep pain dog on a Tuesday and having a walking dog on a Wednesday. This is a, a an eight to 12 week recovery on average where we're managing their bladder and doing physical therapy and and with not a guarantee of success. So this is definitely something where we really have to think about, is this what we want to do? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's the kind of conversation I have around deep pain, negative dogs.
0: Should I Should I be able to palpate back pain with a slip disc carry
1: often but not always i think you know medicine doesn't like to follow rules like that all the time i would say i didn't
0: didn't find it
1: so there is this type of disc uh, called a type 3 disc which is a low volume high velocity disc basically you know we have our ruptured disc that we're all familiar with with the middle of the disc the middle of that jelly donut squirts out and puts pressure on the spine that hurts like the Dickens, right? Like you you can picture that chihuahua, that dachshund in your mind. That hurts really, really bad. This other disc, this new type of disc, the type three, that the bones knock together and that jelly that's the middle of that disc, a little piece of it shoots out like a bullet and hits the spinal cord and causes a really bad bruise and sometimes a little bit of bleeding. Okay. But there's no disc material there. So after about an hour or two, it doesn't hurt anymore. So if you're seeing this dog two days out, really might not hurt anymore. Right. Um, and the spinal cord is just injured. And so for those dogs, there's really nothing surgically we can do. So that dog is sitting in the space of like, we can wait it out and see. Now, we, sh- we have to prove that by MRI. Don't just say, well, it's not painful, so we're just going to wait. Like, that's not what we're going to do. But sometimes we do the MRI and I see a big old spinal cord bruise and nothing else. We're going to wait. So, so that's them. Yeah.
0: Talk to me about a spinal cord bruise. What, what's the prognosis there?
1: same it's about the same as the um as a as it is now that's that's if it's small now the other thing that we've developed you know since I'm an old neurologist right I I, I moisturize <laughs> so I don't look that old but I'm old so I used to do myelograms um back in the day you know on film too like a Philistine and uh and so you know we had a bunch of cases that I would cut in like my residency where we just didn't know how they do or we didn't we couldn't predict what was going to happen. And now that we have MRI, we can actually see inside the spinal cord and see, does it have a lot of changes? And so when we see a little spot in the spinal cord, especially in a deep pain negative dog, if that spot is actually starting to grow and get bigger, we worry about those dogs. And we actually have some numbers and some ratios where we can predict their prognosis a little bit more accurately than just 50-50. So the MRI is super helpful for those dogs. Um, and, you know, really the worse that spinal cord looks, the more we worry about Malaysia, which... That's kind of the boogeyman of neurology. So Malaysia is basically the progressive death of the spinal cord, which, which eventually causes them to stop breathing. That, and, so, yeah.
0: that sounds bad. That that, that sounds it it like does, a cool prognostic it? indicator.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. Your, your spinal cord melting is a bad day. And, yeah. uh, so that, and that's about 10% of deep pain, negative dogs. So, you know, that's significant enough. Yeah. That we'll, oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a bummer. Super okay. bummer.
0: You know what we argued about in the practice, I'm sure.
1: Was it steroids? Did you argue about steroids?
0: steroids? It was steroids versus NSAIDs. And the <laughs> oh, practice kind of split into two camps. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. I
0: would like, uh I know that neurologists don't agree on this necessarily. Huh? I would like to know what camp you're in and Absolutely.
1: why. Absolutely. And I'm going to give a complicated answer, of course. Okay, uh,
0: please, yeah, yeah, please do. Give, give uh, us you want.
1: I believe that there are very many, uh, there are a few, and this is one of them, and, and they're probably more numerous than we think, religious arguments in veterinary medicine, right? Where people <laughs> yes. feel quite strongly, yes. and there is not a right answer. Like, there is not a paper that you go to and say, well, this is the paper right here, there, and that this is one of those topics. And people get angry, they get heated about yeah. this. <laughs> and like I'm like, y'all, nobody actually knows anything, so let's just... We can just admit that. So it's very much dogma depending on which neurologist trained you, pants, right? So for me, I think for dogs that are painful, um, either is a fine choice because at the end of the day, that pain is based on inflammation and both those drugs treat inflammation. If I am using steroids, I am using cuckoo doses because there are doses that were popular 15, 20 years ago of 20 mgs per kg of meth. That that nonsense is everybody's out of favor on that. Nobody thinks that's a good idea anymore. Now, a little one mg per kg per day of pred type thing or dex equivalent or whatever your steroid of choice is, I think that's an anti-inflammatory and you can use it that way. Okay. Um, I think if if you're trying to hail Mary and they're not going to do any diagnostics, go with God. But the other thing to realize is if these are people who are on the fence about doing diagnostics, it, that prednisone might screw up something for me as the neurologist. <laughs> so that's where I hesitate. You know, if I've got a walking back pain dachshund that just is going to go home for crate rest, I will usually give them some Gallopran or some Medicam or something because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm just treating that pain. If I've got a dog who absolutely will not do diagnostics no matter what happens, they do not have the money, they do not want to do it, whatever. Pred comes comes up a little quicker with those dogs. And if I've got a dog who's failed NSATs, I will wash them out and use pred if once again they're not going to do the other stuff. So that's kind of where I so I, I, I play both teams. How about that?
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> so. that's I I that's that's fine. I think um I think that makes the most sense. The big takeaways for me are the days of walloping dogs with steroids are over if yeah. we go anti-inflammatory we're we're looking at something like oral pred uh yeah. a, a a oral dose uh day after day
1: yeah
0: talk to me if you don't mind about the um <laughs> The one dose of NSAID given yesterday from the other dog in the family. Oh. How do, does that change your uh, your feelings?
1: I, you, you are just speaking to my daily annoyances in life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I all, mean,
0: we all feel this pain. The,
1: the sneaky dose of Remedil that may or may not have been for the Labrador that they gave to the Chihuahua. Yep. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that. Um, yeah. So, I mean... One dose, I don't think one dose, you know, is probably going to keep me from a treatment one way or the other. Okay. Probably not. You know, one dose, if it's, you know, it's a different scenario if it's been a week on that or they've been taking that for 10 years for their arthritis, that's an entirely different scenario. That one sneaky dose though, I think you can usually get away with it. I'll give them a little Prilosec or something just to like, you know, ward off the demons, but I, it doesn't stop me. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. Is there any, last thing, tips, tricks, pearls for the clients that are not going to go get surgery mm-hmm. on this back dog? How do I help these people as much as I can yeah. in the long term?
1: So I would say, you know, let's talk about the dpa negative dog. Let's talk okay. about that dog I mean, in particular yeah, okay. where they're not going to do surgery. So the reality is 5% of those dogs will walk again after some crate rest. So it's not zero, but 5%. It's not high. So we are doing rest and medications and everything in those dogs purely for pain control, purely for pain control, and to hopefully not let things get worse and cause malacia. So we're still going to rest those dogs a little bit. Okay. Realistic outcome for that dog, if they want to do this rest, is life in a wheelchair as an mm-hmm. incontinent dog. So that's the realistic outcome. We're not going to put that poor dog through great rest unless we're willing to have a dog in a wheelchair. Okay. um and so that's the conversation to have because if they're like i would never put my dog in a wheelchair well a five percent chance is not a good chance your dog's gonna walk again so real talk like now we're realistically talking about euthanasia this is a quality yeah. if you're not gonna you know provide your dog with the things it needs to manage its disability like we got to think about that right so so that's that's that scenario now in the other camp the dogs that do have deep pain those dogs Anyone that's not walking, I bring up the surgery conversation because I think there's a lot of reasons that are, that's a good idea. But if they can't, then we create rest because there's a pretty good shot. Anybody who's got deep pain has a pretty good shot of walking again, and it's worth giving them a shot if they will. You know, it's a it's a big deal. It's a it's a hard thing. I mean, I I know that I was supposed to create rest my dog after the TPLO, and that that lasted about 15 minutes. So I realize how hard it is to create mm-hmm. rest your dog, but it is super important. And in those back dogs, it really does give them a good chance. So if they have deep pain, I push crate rest hard. Uh, if they don't, that is a whole their conversation.
0: So, okay. Talk woo woo to me, meaning uh, chiropractic, uh, passive range of motion, which I don't generally call woo woo, but you know what I mean? Are, are there things like that all in the, things. the, the, the in laser, all things the
1: acupuncture, all the things? So, yeah, yeah
0: sure. Uh, just anything there, anything to consider? Or should I be. Should I be should I be steering clients away from this? Uh, like, where, Where's your so head I, I
1: will admit my religious affiliation because okay. the neurologist is the natural inner me of the chiropractor. So I think uh, this is a scenario where, unfortunately, every neurologist I know has seen a chiropractic adjustment paralyze a dog. And so I live in a space, especially with acute disc disease, when that's our top differential of we've got a tear in our annulus, our disc is torn open and we're trying to keep it still so it heals and no more stuff squirts out the middle. Moving bones around just doesn't seem like what we're trying to do. So I really don't think in that scenario in particular, chiropractic is safe. Because that is the only one where I put my foot down and I'm like, oh, we're not doing that, absolutely not. I think acupuncture, laser therapy, et cetera. Those are those things where they're not my specialty. I don't know a ton about them. I don't think they're ever harmful. And I think that, you know, sure, give it a shot. But I always tell people a lot of what we're doing is trying to keep this dog still. And if you are back and forth every day to the clinic to get laser treatments, you're not really keeping your dog still. So let's just be thoughtful about that. Um, And then physical therapy. I think physical therapy is helpful. I think range of motion, massage, supporting them so they can stand a little bit and practice and build strength. I think all of that is great. But in the first couple of weeks, we really, rest is the priority. So, you know, because once again, we're really trying to stay still. We're trying to heal a fibrous tissue. And you all anybody who's sprained their ankle knows how hard that is. So we really need to keep still while we're doing that. We can do a little range of motion, but we don't need to be like swimming and putting us through our paces. We can do that stuff later initially rest is key and it's boring you know people like stuff to do and
0: rest yeah they want they want to do a thing and they They
1: need homework i get it but like so passive range of motion is your homework because that's perfectly lovely but anything else i really try to wait for two weeks and i know there's some really great physical therapists who will disagree with me and i respect you deeply but this is my my religious official affiliation on this issue (laughs) so Perfect.
0: perfect Carrie, you are a gift to vet medicine and a dear friend and a wonderful person. And I really appreciate the heck out of you. So thank you for being here. Um, Where can people find you and the things that you do?
1: Yeah, So you can find stuff on my website, journeyvetneuro.com. There are client education handouts on there. So you can just give your client the full deal on any neurologic condition. And then every Wednesday evening on my Facebook page, 5- Specific, we are doing neural rounds. So um, we'd love for you to come join. They're perfectly free. I, I leave them up as a live Facebook stream so you can catch them later. And you know, I just like talking about neurology. So I'd love it if you come chat with us. So
0: is that the journey vet neuro Facebook page?
1: It is the journey oh. veterinary neurology Facebook page.
0: Absolutely. I'll put links to all that stuff down in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful week. Carrie, thank you again for being here. My pleasure. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it. Um, I always love having Dr. Journey on the podcast. If there's things that I can help you with, if there are cases you want to learn more about, shoot me an email. The email address is podcast at drandywork.com. That's podcast at drandywork.com. And as always, there's nothing that you can do that is more helpful to me than to write an honest review on iTunes for this podcast. Uh, it just is how people find us. So anyway... Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope to talk to you again soon.